Hi, welcome back to Bible Stories for Heathen Children. I'm Robbie. If you remember from last week, I decided to tell the story of Joseph in two parts in two weeks because I didn't want to rush it like I did with the Isaac and Jacob stuff. Live and learn. I hope you tuned in for the first part of the Joseph story last week in episode 19, but if not, here's a quick recap, so listen fast. Jacob loved his youngest son, Joseph, the most, and Joseph had dreams he thought were prophetic, indicating that his 11 brothers would bow to him, although he only had 10 brothers at the time. He was the youngest and a tattletale and a bit spoiled, so his brothers hated him. They hated him so much they actually sold him as a slave and he got taken to Egypt. He was really successful. He was falsely accused of a crime. He got thrown in prison. He interpreted dreams in prison and was like super successful in prison somehow. And then he interpreted a dream of the Pharaoh about a coming famine. And then he got taken out of prison and put in charge of a whole of the whole country and stockpiled grain during seven very good productive years. And now there's a long, severe famine that will last seven years, affecting Egypt and all surrounding countries. Joseph's plan to store grain is saving Egypt from destruction. And Joseph is now a successful leader in Egypt called Zafnath Panea, which is said to mean revealer of secrets. Not only Egyptians are buying the Pharaoh's grain that Joseph has stored, but people from all over the world were coming to buy it also. Well, the whole world is known to the ancient Middle East. And part of that world was Joseph's family. When Israel, father and grandfather of a big group of people, also, you know, Joseph's father, heard from someone that there was grain in Egypt if you had money to buy it, he sent his 10 oldest sons to go buy grain and save the family from starvation. Now, they were like... They were all grown men. Some of them had their own grandchildren by now, but he sent them all as a group anyway. Okay, that's just how it works, I guess. But um, his 11th son, Joseph, who you might remember Jacob believed was dead, um, so obviously he didn't send him, and then he kept his 12th son, Benjamin, at home. I will briefly tell the story of Benjamin's birth. While Joseph was in Egypt, I assume, based on timeline stuff, his mother, Rachel, became pregnant a second time. When she gave birth, it was very difficult for her, and she was in a lot of pain. And her midwife said, don't be afraid, you're having another son. Which wasn't really that comforting to Rachel. So she named the boy Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow, and then she died. But Jacob changed the baby's name to Benjamin, which literally meant son of my right hand, but more figuratively, it meant my favorite son. Because Benjamin was the youngest son and the son of Jacob's favorite wife, and sort of a replacement for Joseph, who Jacob thought had died. So Jacob was very protective of Benjamin, because he was all he had left of Rachel, who he loved. And that's why all the other brothers went to Egypt, but Benjamin stayed home. When the brothers came to Egypt, they bowed down to Zafnath Panea, and they didn't recognize him as Joseph. Remember, the last time they saw him, he was an annoying teenager or young adult, and now he's a successful man, probably dressed in the common Egyptian fashions with no beard, possibly head shaved and a wig, fancy clothes because of his position, maybe even some makeup, some eyeliner like you see in pictures of ancient Egypt. Um, and he's called Zafnath Panea, and he's speaking Egyptian. So they don't recognize him, and they could never have imagined that the boy they sold into slavery would be the second most important and powerful man in all of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And here they are bowing down to him, just like in his dreams from when he was a teenager. Well, almost, except in that dream there were 11 brothers, and here are only the 10 he knew. Joseph did recognize them, 
as they hadn't changed as much, and, you know, they're all together. But he pretended not to know them, and he was harsh. Where do you come from? From the land of Canaan to buy food, they told him. You're spies coming to find a weakness in our land, he accused them. No, my lord, they said. They, sometimes people call other people my lord as a sign of respect, like you're over me in authority, so I will call you that. No, my lord, we have just come to buy food. We're all the sons of one man trying to feed our family. We're not spies. But Joseph pretended not to believe them and insisted they were spies. So they're like, look, we were 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is with our father and the other is no longer living. Joseph had been fishing for that information because I just mentioned in Joseph's dream when he was a teenager, he dreamed about his brother's grain bowing down to his grain and he dreamed there were 11, but when he was taken away and in front of him now, there were only 10 brothers, but he remembered that dream. So a new brother, that's news. But uh, he doesn't immediately say, I'm your brother, Joseph. Go get your other brother. I'd really like to meet him. No, what he does is he throws them all into prison, claiming he believed they were spies. Also, you know, and he probably thought this, they kind of deserved it for selling their brother as a slave. Day or two in prison. Yeah. Well, he left them in prison for three days and then he had them brought out in front of him. And he said, because I respect God, I'll give you a way to prove you're honest men. Do what I say, and you will all live. One of you will stay here as a prisoner, while the rest of you take grain back home to feed your households. Then bring the youngest brother back to me to prove you're telling the truth, and you won't die. Um, then they agreed, but they discussed it with each other, not thinking Zafnath Benea could understand them, because uh, they were speaking in Hebrew, and he was speaking in Egyptian, and he used a translator. And Reuben was the brother who had tried to save Joseph. He said, we're being punished for what we did to our brother. That's why this is happening. Didn't I tell you not to harm the boy? But you want to listen, and now God is punishing us for the harm. Joseph heard all of this, although they didn't know it. And he turned his back to them and cried. But then he, you know, he fixed his face to look really stern, even mean again. And he turned back around. And he, he took one brother, Simeon, as a prisoner as they all watched. They watched their brother get carried away. Not for the first time that they've watched a brother get carried away. This time they're not happy about it, though. So Reuben was the oldest brother, and Reuben tried to save Joseph. So Joseph locked up the second oldest brother, Simeon. The, so the oldest brother responsible for, you know, selling him into slavery. He's doing everything very deliberately, and he's actually making a sort of test for his brothers and also testing the dreams he had dreamed so long ago when he was like 17. Then Joseph told his servants to fill their containers with grain, but to secretly give them back their money hidden in the grain in their bags. Um, I don't know if this is a mind game or if he just doesn't want them to pay for grain. Probably actually both. So uh, his servants did this. And then the brothers loaded the sacks of grain on their donkeys and headed back to their home. And when they stopped for the night, one brother opened a sack to feed the donkeys and he saw the bag of money and he was like really afraid because he thought he was being framed as a thief. He showed the money to his brothers and they all trembled with fear and were like, what has God done to us? We're going to be in trouble. When they got back to their father, Jacob, in the land of Canaan, they told him everything that had happened. He spoke harshly and accused us of lying and he said we were spies. And they told him they'd mentioned their other brother, trying to persuade the man that they were good family men, but now the scary, mean Egyptian man wants them to bring their youngest brother, and then he'd free their brother Simeon and let them buy more grain next time. 
When they emptied their bags, they found that they each had their money in them and they were even more afraid. And Jacob, the father, was like distraught because he was afraid someone in Egypt was plotting against him. And if Benjamin went, he'd never come back. And he said, Joseph is gone and Simeon's gone and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything happens to me. And Reuben said, I'll take care of Benjamin and if anything happens to him, you can kill my two sons. I promise I will bring him back safe. Um... But this, like, really didn't make Jacob feel better, and he refused to agree. Can't imagine why that didn't make him feel better. <laughs> and so he wouldn't let them go back with Benjamin. And they just kind of left Simeon there um, in, I don't know if he's in prison or just kind of in house arrest. But anyway, he's locked up in Egypt, and they're just like, they're just totally chill with that, I guess. Um, because Jacob does not want to lose Benjamin. But uh, eventually the food they had brought, they had bought in Egypt got all eaten up and Jacob told his sons to go and buy more. Like, he's just conveniently forgetting the whole issue. And Judah said, um, the man specifically told us not to come back without our youngest brother. If you will send him with us, we'll go and buy food. But if you won't send him, we won't go because we know that the man will not sell us any grain if we go without Benjamin. Then Jacob cried. Why have you done this to me? Why did you tell the man you had another brother? And they said he was asking for information. How could we possibly have known what he would say? And then Judah was insisting that, her, that their father send the boy and promise to keep him safe. If we hadn't been wasting all this time, we could have returned home twice by now. Then their father said, uh, okay, if that's what you have to do, you know, since we're all about to starve, you must also take some of the best things from our country as gifts for this man and take twice as much money, return the money you found in your bags, perhaps that was just a mistake, and take your brother and may God cause this man to be merciful so that all of you return safely. And if I lose my sons, then I lose them. That sounds like fatalistic and dark, but consider they didn't really have many options if they didn't want to starve. So um, the brothers took the fancy gifts, which apparently they still have despite the famine. Uh, and twice the amount of money, and they took Benjamin, and they went down to Egypt, and they met with Joseph, or, you know, Zafnath Paneah, and when Joseph saw Benjamin, he told his servants to take everyone into his house and get some food ready for lunch, so they were really afraid about being taken to do his house again, and, because they don't know it's Joseph, they think it's this mysterious Egyptian ruler who's mysteriously obsessed with them, is going to accuse them of stealing the money that was returned in their bag, and then take them all prisoner slaves, which is a horrible thing that, of course, should never happen to anybody being made slaves in Egypt against their will, you know? Uh-huh. So they decided they should explain that they were really just there to buy food, and somehow their money was at the top of their bags last time, and they were trying to pay, and you can have the money from last time, and we don't know what happened, and we're super innocent people that need food. And then Joseph's head servant, the, the, the steward, he told them, don't be afraid. Your God must have put treasure in your bags. I got your payment. Don't worry about it. And then he brought Simeon out because Simeon, you know, was still locked up this whole time. And then the brothers got all these gifts that they had brought ready that their, that their dad told them to bring. And when Joseph came for lunch, they gave him, they all gave him all these gifts and bowed down. And Joseph, or excuse me, Zafnath Paneah, asked about their father. He's trying really hard here to be the Zafnath Paneah and not the Joseph. He's playing a role. And he apparently is doing it pretty well. So they did all these pleasantries. Oh, yes, our father as well. And when he meets his uh, youngest brother, his, his mother's second son, he meets his brother Benjamin for the first time. Um, he greeted them. And then, then he ran out 
before he started crying. So he went to another room and he was like weeping for like several minutes because he was feeling so many emotions, as you can probably understand. And um, then he washed his face and maybe like fixed his eyeliner, although the Bible doesn't say that part. Um, and then they all ate dinner and they ate like this. Joseph sat at one table and the brothers all sat at another table and all the Egyptians in Joseph's household who were there all sat at yet another table because the Egyptians would not eat with foreigners because it's against their code or something. Also, they're kind of racist against the Hebrew people, which is what um, Jacob's family was called, was, was Hebrews. And so the Egyptians won't eat with him. They won't eat with Joseph either, although um, I don't know that they know he's a Hebrew, but they know he's a not Egyptian, I suppose. But anyway, Joseph had the brothers all at one table, and they were all seated in order of age, from the oldest Reuben to the youngest Benjamin. And the brothers all looked at each other and thought, um, wow, this is kind of impressive and creepy. They, they know our ages. They have a seated in age order, and how can they even tell? Because a lot of them weren't even a year apart in age, because, you know, they had different moms. Some of their moms were pregnant at the same time. Um... And all the brothers got served big portions of really good food, but Benjamin got five times as much food as everybody else. And, you know, this was even in the middle of a famine. Um, and then Joseph told his servants secretly to fill the men's bags with as much food as they could carry and to once again hide all their money in the tops of their bags. But he told them to put Joseph's own special silver cup, which was not only practical but symbolically important, and he used it, like, for divination, at the top of the youngest brother's bag. So... The, the head servant, the steward, he did all that just like Joseph told him to. And in the morning, the men were sent off and they hadn't gotten very far when Joseph told his servant, chase after them and demand to know why they've stolen my cup. So the servant did, the steward did that and, and they were, he was like, why have you stolen the cup? And they were really freaked out. And they're like, why do you say this? We even brought back the money that mysteriously appeared in our bags last time. We're not trying to steal. Of course they wouldn't steal from, from, from this guy's house. If any of us are found to have this special cup, he, he will die. And then the rest of us will all be Zaphnoth Penea's slaves. And the steward said, what you've said is proper, but only the one who stole the cup will be my slave and the rest of you can go. So everyone lowered their sack to the ground and opened it up. And the steward searched every single stack one by one beginning with the oldest and the next oldest and so on, 10 sacks, until he got to the 11th sack. And of course, he found it there in the youngest brother's sack, in Benjamin's sack, because, you know, he'd put it there, but they didn't know that. And the brothers were all devastated, and they returned to the city terrified. They returned to Joseph's house, and he says, What have you done? Didn't you know a man like me could find out the truth? After all, he was called, you know, revealer of secrets. And then Judah speaks for everyone and says, what can we say? God has shown we are guilty. We are now your slaves. And Joseph is like, only the man who had my cup will be my slave. The rest of you can return to your father. And like, like that's the last thing they wanted to hear. Judah, Judah explained everything, how they'd only told Nathpaneah about their brother because they were trying to prove their innocence, how their father didn't want to send Benjamin because he had already lost one son how they had no choice but to bring Benjamin, how everything their father was afraid of was happening right now, and how their father had said if anything happened to Benjamin, their father would die from grief. So Judah said, please take me as a slave instead, because I can't refer return to my father without this boy. 
Uh, you might remember it was like Judah's idea to sell Joseph. And that's why Joseph had set all this up. To see, so they could get to this exact moment and he could see how his brothers would react if they had changed. And when this happened, when Benjamin was supposed to be the slave and and all the other brothers were saying, take us as slaves instead. We don't want to return to our father without our brother. Um, when Judah himself offered to be a slave to save Benjamin, Joseph like totally lost it. Um, he started weeping and he sent all his Egyptian servants away so, so that they wouldn't see the next bit, although they could hear him because he was, he was weeping so loudly. And um, of course, they're like totally confused because Judah's like, you know, this crazy man is like trying to take our brother as a slave, even though we're pretty sure he was framed. I mean, I assume they thought he was framed because that's what they thought about the money. And then we offered to be the slaves instead. And now he's crying. Um, and he tells them, he finally tells them what's going on. He tells them, I am Joseph. And uh, this didn't make them feel better. They were more ter terrified than ever. A weird, powerful Egyptian ruler was less scary when it wasn't also a brother they had betrayed years ago. But he told them to come closer. He was like crying. And he told them, I'm your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. But don't be worried. It was God's plan that I come here so I could save all your lives. Because there have already been two years of famine and there's going to be five more years, but I will be able to keep all of you alive because God has made me a ruler over the whole land of Egypt. And I'm basically like a father to the Pharaoh at this point. So he told them to go back to their father and move everyone to Egypt so he could support everyone. No, back up. Um, so basically all of that whole elaborate scheme was just a test to see if the brothers had changed. And he's apparently satisfied. So Joseph told them to go back to their father and move everybody to Egypt so he could support everyone. His brother, his father, his nieces and nephews and nibblings, his great nieces and nephews and nibblings, um, all their relatives. And he hugged them and kissed them all. And Joseph and Benjamin cried together. And then Pharaoh personally told the brothers to go and come back with their families and move to Egypt. And Joseph sent them off with like wagons and lots of provisions, not just a couple donkeys that they had come with. And he gave every one of his brothers a new change of clothes, but he gave Benjamin five changes of clothes and he sent them off. And as they were leaving, he told his brothers, don't argue on the way. And when they returned to their father, Jacob, and they said, Joseph is alive and he's the ruler of Egypt. Also, he locked up Simeon, which we totally get now. Um, I mean, that that's not the text. But anyway, um, Joseph's alive and he's the ruler of Egypt. And uh, Jacob didn't believe them. But when he saw the donkeys and the wagons full of food, then he did believe them. And Jacob and everyone in the family headed toward Egypt. Before they left, Jacob offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And that God, the Lord God, said they should go down to Egypt and eventually they would come back to Canaan. And then that becomes really relevant to the next story of the Bible, which I won't tell right now. So they came to Egypt and they settled in a land a little outside of Egypt because they were shepherds and Egyptians don't like shepherds apparently. Like shepherds are abhorrent to Egyptians, but also Hebrews are abhorrent to Egyptians. So, I mean, again, sounds like racism. But anyway, the Pharaoh said they could take care of his livestock too, which I think was intended to be generous. And Joseph brought his father, Jacob, to meet the Pharaoh. And by this time, Joseph was kind of like a father to Pharaoh. So Jacob was kind of like his long lost, really old grandfather. And he's like, he's like really old. And Pharaoh's like, how many years have you lived? And Jacob said, my journey has lasted 130 years. My years have been few and hard, and I have not lived as long as my father's. 
It's not like it's a death's door or anything, though. Just my side note. And then Jacob gave Pharaoh a blessing and left, and the whole family settled in the land, and Joseph provided everyone with food. When Jacob was 147, he thought he was going to die soon. So he called Joseph and made him promise not to bury him in Egypt. And later Joseph, later Jacob wanted to bless Joseph's children the way he'd blessed all his own sons. Basically because Joseph was his favorite, so Joseph's family would get two blessings. And um, Jacob was really overwhelmed at this special moment. I mean, he, he had met his his grandsons before but this was a special occasion and he had never thought for for years he'd never thought he would ever get to see joseph again and now he'd gotten to see joseph's sons grow up um because they've become adults while jacob's been in egypt and um so jacob joseph kind of pushed his sons closer to jacob because jacob was blind like his father isaac had been blind when he was old and joseph put his older son manasseh near jacob's right hands because right hands are more important and that's like an oldest son thing and he moved his younger son Ephraim near Jacob's left hand, but Jacob, who'd been a younger brother himself, you remember, crisscrossed his hands and gave the better blessing to the younger one. Joseph tried to tell him he had it wrong, but Jacob was like, I know what I'm doing. So he blessed them so that they would be protected by God and be great tribes of people. And also, um, since Jacob was about to die, he told Joseph that Joseph's children and their children would get one mountain in particular, which Jacob had fought some Amorites for. Um, and then Jacob gave a blessing to everyone else, and then he laid down in bed and died with all his family around him. Which, I mean, he's like almost 150, and he's got like 12 sons, maybe some daughters, lots of grandkids. They're all around him, and he just curls up in bed. That's not a bad way to go. That's not a bad way to go. And then Joseph had the Egyptian embalm him, which is a thing you may have heard about that they did in Egypt, like, you know, making mummies. And then Joseph asked permission from Pharaoh to go back to Canaan to bury his father. So Pharaoh sent him, and not just Joseph, Joseph went with all of the Pharaoh's servants and all the elders of Egypt and all Joseph's household and all his brothers and horses and chariots, but the kids and grandkids stayed behind. And um, all together, they buried Jacob in the land of Canaan. It was a, it was a huge procession, and they buried Jacob and then they returned to Egypt, and those things had all taken months. But when everything had settled down, Joseph's brothers, who are like, they're like super old by now, they're like, um, now that our father is gone, if Joseph has been holding us, holding a grudge against us for, you know, for selling him as a slave, he's probably going to punish us now. And considering he's the most important guy in Egypt, he'll be able to. So, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father commanded us to say this to you. Please forgive your brother's sin and the wrong they did to you and joseph cried and i think it's because they don't get it he's over what they did because he's accepted it now and he's forgiven them and he told them don't be afraid you planned evil for me but god planned it for good so i could save all of you and your whole households and he comforted them like they sold him as a slave but he's got to comfort them because they're they're still afraid of it of him anyway joseph lived to be 110 years old and um, everyone was pretty well settled in the land of Egypt by now. But Joseph, who'd seen many promises and prophecies come true in his long life, he did believe in the promises from God that the people would one day go back to Canaan. So he made the Israelites swear an oath that when God calls them out of Egypt, they would carry his bones and bury them in Canaan. And when he died, they embalmed him and put him to rest in a coffin in Egypt. And the burying part happens later in, in a different story. And uh, the story of Joseph ends there as the family of Israel is established. And this is how the book of Genesis ends. 
Um, we've done a lot of Genesis stories, not all of them, nowhere near all of them. There's quite a few that I skipped here and there, little ones and maybe some big ones. I can't actually think right now. But um, anyway, yeah, that's been the story of Joseph. The chronologically next story would be the story of the Passover. I'm not going to tell that one right now, but it's it's a it's a fascinating one. So um, if you get super curious about, oh, these people are in Egypt, but later they're supposed to be, you know, in Israel, in the country called Israel. So how does that all happen? Well, this is the story they tell about it is the Passover. So um, you can you can go look that up. It's 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 very interesting. And it's about the time of year that Jewish people do celebrate the Passover. Um, but my tradition the Christian tradition, well, not my tradition anymore, but the one I grew up in um, celebrates Easter. So that's the story I'll be telling. And in fact, I will be taking basic, I think, five weeks to tell this story because there's so many pieces. And I actually think I could have done it in less time. But I went and asked my spouse, like, what do you think are the crucial parts of this story? And the list of the parts that he considered crucial to the Jesus story just kept the little the little snippets, the little paragraphs, the little tiny bits of story kept the list kept growing bigger and bigger. And finally, I was like, how about you write these stories? Um, so I'll tell them it'll have, you know, my my voice when I tell it and everything. But um, he's going to he's going to do a lot of the writing for that. We've already done about uh, half of it. So there will be some weeks leading up to the to the Easter stuff so you can understand all these. There's a lot of characters. There's there's Jesus, there's his disciples. They have different personalities and stuff. They're actually pretty well fleshed out characters amongst the, you know, four gospels. So um so yeah, that's what you can expect coming up is is some stories and then because I know that people like to listen to my special episodes that are the really most famous stories I'll try to have um, my last episode of that be also kind of a self-contained narrative and because because the gospels because there's four gospels and they each tell the story differently I'll be able to kind of tell the same stuff that happened from a different angle or maybe slightly different stuff that happened because they're not consistent but anyways so um so hopefully hopefully I can manage all that we've we've got that coming up and um i'm excited uh to to be telling these stories and um anyway so yeah tune in tune in later um next week and i think every week up until the week before easter um thank you so much for listening to bible stories for heathen children i appreciate that people enjoy these stories i appreciate that people listen and share with their friends and um i think next month i'll probably get like to um i say next month when when will this episode go up this episode will go up in march so yeah in march i should um i will probably reach um 10,000 total plays on on buzzsprout which is where my podcast is hosted so that doesn't even count the patreon listens so that's an exciting milestone. So thank you to everyone who has shared the podcast. Thank you to everyone who has um, who has become a patron on Patreon. I really appreciate the support, and uh, I, I appreciate you. And um, 
I'm glad that people want to spend parts of their week uh, listening to me rehash these old stories that I feel all sorts of weird ways about. I guess I should close it out. So um, I already said thanks for listening. Our theme music is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution. Until next time, shine on, Star Child.